0: You're listening to Coming Out of the Spiritual Closet with your host, me, Brittany Wittig. Welcome back, everyone. I am psyched to share today's episode with you. I have been wanting to bring someone onto the podcast for years to discuss plant medicine, but I've had a hell of a time finding someone that felt grounded in their spirituality, and also connected to the plant medicine community. Today's the day. So, today I am interviewing Dan Ahartkiss. Dan discusses plant medicine from such a grounded perspective. She is a devoted facilitator and space holder. And Dan shares about the actual ceremony and what that experience can be like, the importance of integration after a plant medicine ceremony. She talks about different plant medicines, the role of a facilitator, and she discusses very clearly what to look for when you're choosing a facilitator and a facility for your plant medicine experience. This conversation is just fascinating. I think you're gonna love it. Here's Dan. Dan, thank you so much for being here today. I'm thrilled to have this conversation
1: with you. Likewise. Thank you for carving out the time. I'm I'm excited from all the previous conversations that we had to have another conversation. Yes, totally. So I guess to get started, could you just uh, maybe
0: tell us a little bit about what you do?
1: Yes. So my name is Dana Harkis. I am a space holder and facilitator. I find it really difficult to tell people what I do because I feel like it kind of boxes in, Um, but basically I would say overarching. I host retreats. Some of them include plant medicine. Some of them do not. I started out as a yoga teacher and that, you know, kind of trickled into the breathwork practitioner, the Reiki practitioner, other healing modalities. I got trained in how to serve cacao and that led more and more into the plant medicine realm. So I work with people one-on-one. My love is working with people one-on-one and doing the retreats. I like being in person with people. I like getting to know people because I feel like sometimes it's just it's just juicy when you know someone one-on-one and I'm definitely a people person. So that is the shortened version of who
0: I am and what I do. Ooh, interesting. Okay. So I am, I'm so thrilled to have you on because I've been wanting, and I've told you this, I've been wanting to have someone on who is a plant medicine expert, someone who can share about this in a grounded down to earth way. So uh, first question. <laughs> um, we've all heard about the incredible healing power of plant medicine at this point. I mean, it's having like such a boom. Right. And mm-hmm. how, I, I mean, this is a big question, so you can go in whatever direction you want with this, but how does it, how does that work? Like, how, how does this work?
1: So This is this is a beautiful question. So I'm definitely, I wouldn't even consider myself like an expert in anything. I know things about things, but I don't feel like I'm an expert at anything other than just being alive at this point. Yes. (laughs) Um, So how does plant medicine work? So I think it depends on the plant medicines. And like I so the medicine that I serve is cacao. And the way that cacao works is so different from the way that ayahuasca works. But I would say the similarity because all of them are so different, like even like mushrooms compared to Wachuma, they're very similar, but also vastly different. And so I think for people, if you're like listening to this and you haven't sat with certain medicines, it's going to be hard to understand. Well, what is the difference? Like I've I've. I've had a lot of people, they come to us and they're like, Well, I've done acid and I've done mushrooms a ton of times. So it should be the same thing, right? And it's like, no, the way that we work, or I work, I should say, with plant medicine is that we use it as a technology. And that might seem kind of esoteric, but the plants are spirits and the plants also have healing modalities. In the way that you would go to an herbalist, and if you, you know, needed. Like you were like, I'm having a lot of anxiety, they might give you lemon balm, you know, or like ghost pipe. In the same way, these plants have a technology that is able to be put into our system. And if we allow ourselves the opportunity, because not everyone, some people fight, they drink the medicine and then they fight with the medicine. <laughs> um, but if we allow ourselves to open up those kind of like spiritual gateways or channels or avenues within our mind and within our body we can experience the healing that comes from these plants, the physical plants itself, but also the spirit of the plant. Did that answer somewhat the
0: question? Oh yeah, absolutely. And so that, what that brings up for me, um, like cacao, um, mm-hmm. could you go into cacao a little bit and like what I I've, um, I've never done a cacao ceremony. So i'm I'm not familiar with like how that works and what that what would that spirit um is there like, are there certain things that that spirit would be most helpful for?
1: Okay, so I love talking about cacao, especially because I work in like with plant medicines. I work in the psychedelics. and okay. so a lot of the people are used to drinking something. ayahuasca she she's a beautiful plant, but she doesn't really give you the opportunity to be like, I don't want to do any work today.' <laughs> Um, she's kind of going to take you and you're going to go where you're going to go. The same thing with, uh, San Pedro, it's going to take you and it might be gentle as you're walking around, but then all of a sudden you realize that the leaves are talking to you or they're really shiny. You know what I mean? Like it just (laughs) happens. Whereas so cacao, it's the rawest form of chocolate. So it's bitter to taste. And so the way that I was like trained or learned or whatever word you want to use for that I describe it when people come and sit in my ceremonies, if they're new, I'll usually say, think about a time if you've ever lived in a place where it snowed and your grandmother made you a cup of hot chocolate because it was so snowy outside, so cold, or there was like a big rainstorm and she gave you a cup of hot chocolate to warm you from the inside out. And so that is the way that I work with that plant spirit is that she really is she's mainly known as like, you know, if you go to Whole Foods and you buy a uh, cacao in a bag, um, it'll say like food of the gods. A lot of people in like the plant medicine communities know it's known as the heart opener. um, And so it really does kind of, she just trickles into like your heart space and warms you from the inside out. Or rather, if we're trying to work on specific things, she's gonna work with you on those things here in the heart space. And then hopefully we can move those things out. So I tend to do a lot of, most of my ceremonies tend to deal with inner child work. Ah, okay. Um, that's what'll come up for a lot of people. But I have had, when I do women's ceremonies, we'll bring it into the womb. Like we'll go into the heart space first and then we'll go deep into like the womb space, which is really beautiful. But the thing that I love about cacao is that you're over here and she's over there and you have to meet her halfway because she's not a psychedelic doesn't mean that you can't have visions. I pride myself on the fact that people say when they come to my ceremonies, they still have visions. They're like, Hmm. it wasn't a psychedelic, but I was still having that kind of like psychedelic experience where I was really receiving those messages or hearing someone else speak. You know, a lot of people will say, oh, it's mother cacao. It is a very, Nurturing, loving medicine. And the way that I was taught is that it's a very familial medicine. So it's important to bring all the people into the space and connect them as best as we can as a family so that they can feel safe and held in the container to go deep within themselves. Because if you don't want to go deep and you just want to drink the cup of cacao, it's not going to taste like hot chocolate because, again, it's bitter to the taste. And I was taught that we only put a little bit of cayenne, that's it. It's water, cacao, cayenne, nothing else. So I think it tastes good at this point. If you're drinking it for the first time, you might not think it tastes good. So if you just want to sit there, drink it and chill, you can. Okay. But your intention and where your mind allows you to go is going to really bring upon what you can access within your subconscious with that medicine.
0: Interesting. So with cacao, um just continuing on this topic a little bit, is it possible for someone to use cacao on their own? um, For, you know, if they don't have like access to a ceremony with this particular plant, I mean, is that, is that advised or would that not be? I think it
1: depends on the practitioner that you talk to. There are a ton of people who drink cacao. I know people that are like, I drink cacao every day and have a cacao ceremony with myself every day. My personal opinion is that you are, could you imagine if every day you woke up and drank ayahuasca or every day you woke up and you drank San Pedro, you're kind of lessening its value. I'm not saying, like, again, this is my own opinion on the matter is that- I would not sit with it in a ceremonial way on a consistent basis. Can you sit with it on your own? If you feel like you have a connection to that medicine and you need to sit with it on your own, you can do whatever the fuck you want. What I say has no meaning to what you want to do. But usually the people that come and sit with me, like, it's not something that I would say, buy this cacao and start sitting with yourself all the time. But for some people, it might give them what they need. So like here in Peru, one of the we call her like our Peruvian mom, um, one of the women that we know here, when she makes coffee, they usually like they'll drink coffee sometimes, but they'll either make matcha or cacao. So they're not drinking it in a ceremonial way, but instead of drinking coffee, because cacao is so much more abundant here. It's not as abundant in the US. So like here it's super cheap and it kind of makes sense. They're like, there's more benefit to drinking cacao than there is coffee. There's a little bit of caffeine in it, but like there's a ton of magnesium in it. It has the quote unquote bliss molecule in it. So it should help lift your spirits instead of drinking a cup of coffee that might just give you that caffeine rush. And then boom, you're addicted to coffee again, but you can get addicted to drinking cacao because it has that little bit of caffeine and if it starts to make you feel good anything can become an addiction so I think it's the person's choice but for me if someone was to come and sit in ceremony with me and they said I drink cacao all the time on my own but I don't sit in ceremony I would advise them that this ceremony is probably going to be very different from what you experience on a regular basis because of the ceremonial aspect that's brought in the prayers that go into making Um, when I'm cooking the prayers that have to go into the pot, the prayers that have to go into each cup, the cleansing that has to happen, the songs that need to be sung, that type of thing.
0: And where, where did you
1: learn this? So I accidentally learned this. So I, so (laughs) years ago, um, so I had already been going to yoga, meditation, breath work, sound healings. And I stumbled across a class. So I'm from Staten Island. I stumbled across um, a class, which is, it's in New York. It's one of the five boroughs. And I guess you're supposed to be where you're supposed to be. And that's kind of how it is. I showed up thinking that I was just going to my first cacao ceremony and there was going to be a sound healing but it was a whole immersion-based thing where it was like, we have this woman, she's from Guatemala, she's going to talk to you about cacao, she's going to teach you how she serves it, how you can serve it, how to hold space, this, that, and the other thing. I was so overwhelmed because that wasn't what I thought I signed up for. Wow. But I continued to stay because I was like, well, I already paid for it and I'm already here and everyone was so nice. And at that point, I had just went on antidepressants. And so to be in a room of people where I was trying not to drink alcohol or use hard drugs, none of these people were drinking alcohol. No one was on hard drugs. I didn't really want to do it, but I felt like, all right, I'm here. So I'm going to go through it. And it was one of the most beautiful experiences. And then it like continued, the training continued after that class, um which i obviously then said yes to because i was like oh this was beautiful these people are great um and that was how it happened and then for years i didn't serve anyone because i felt like the medicine was just for me like i felt when i was 19 i felt like i showed up and i was like oh this is you know god and the universe and spirit being like it's okay that you you're taking antidepressants you can still you know do all your other healing modalities and you know this is just the medicine for you and then around 2019 um I went to another cacao ceremony in the city in Manhattan and I had that feeling where it was like you know you can start serving people and I was like I I know I thought to myself and I said it to a teacher of mine at the time I said all of that just sounds like so much work I'm just going to keep teaching yoga and meditation like that just sounds so much easier I don't want to do any of this other stuff and as the end of 2019 came, I was like, okay, I'm gonna have to step into it. So I stepped into it by serving just my friends and family. Okay. Um, And then um, in the beginning of 2020 was when I started serving like the quote unquote public, I guess is what you, but for me, it was just for me for the longest time. And I felt like it made my relationship with the medicine that much deeper because I knew what to do, but again, they're a technology and they will speak to you. And so for years it wasn't meant for me to do that. I there was no way I could have held the space that I hold today. Then, although I knew what I was supposed to do, I would not have done it. <laughs> so right. that was kind of how it um it all came about.
0: Interesting. Okay, so I recently was following your Peru retreat um on Instagram and it just looked incredible by the way, um, just looked amazing. Um, so, and it, it looked, I got the impression that there was like ayahuasca and maybe San Pedro. Uh, so yeah, we had two
1: ayahuasca ceremonies. Okay. San Pedro. Um, which, so if you know who Dylan is, the integration specialist that we have, Dylan serves San Pedro and combo. So we did a, San Pedro, he did a morning of combo and then I served the cacao and we had a maestra from Pucalpa come over this way and she served the ayahuasca, which we did on the 30th and the 31st. It was a really wild experience to have an ayahuasca ceremony on like the new year's Eve. But I think there was something so
0: beautiful about that as well. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. One of the things that I noticed as I was following this retreat was that it seemed like integration was a huge part of it, which I love. Uh, I've, my experience with, I, and again, I have not done ayahuasca or San Pedro. My experience with uh, mushrooms and LSD, like integration is, almost like everything like there's the experience and then there's the integration so could you talk a little bit about integration and how much of that you worked in and it i i loved all the integration that i was seeing
1: thank you so much for like applauding it and for also being like that's a really important part so you and i were kind of talking before we got started like recording this so for me when i sat with ayahuasca for my first time, I was so lucky that I had what I call my team. So I had a team of my therapist, other teachers at the time, my current partner, um, specific people in my family that were extremely supportive and allowed me to talk through my experiences and my emotions. So I did have a a better integration process than most people would have originally just because I had that team that was so close knit and I was so deep in my own work. But when I sat that first time, I recognized how, there was really no integration. There was nothing to follow up with it. And that was really difficult for me because I had such profound experiences that I made major changes in my life, which it was a beautiful thing and I'm glad I did it. But now, standing in the position that I'm standing in, those major changes that I made, I probably would not recommend that to someone who came on retreat with us because I would be like, okay, so this is these are big things that you had come up in ceremony. Let's pick them apart and make sure you're making the right choice for you. Because if there is no integration, you can kind of just, there's a few things. One, if there's no integration, the easy part was sitting. Like people are constantly like, oh, but I'm going to throw up. I don't want to sit. That's the easy part. The hard part is going home and being like, okay, I learned ABC and now my fucking family's pissing me off. How can I use ABC that I learned around my family that's pissing me off? And Wait. so integration is a huge part of what we do because you should not, something that Dylan always says, and that's the, that's the reason I love working with Dylan. I don't love working with most people because I feel like in the plant medicine community, not everyone holds space the same and not everybody takes integration as seriously as I feel they should. Again, these are all my opinions, but I just think it's the most important part. So yes, yes, <laughs> Dylan is somebody who had always said, if you have to keep coming back here, we worked at a um a retreat center together in Ayahuasca Church, and he kept saying, if people have to come back every few weeks or every few months to sit with the medicine, they're not getting anything out of it because there's no reason why you should be back here so quickly after sitting with medicine. It's, you know, specifically ayahuasca and San Pedro. It's not something you should be sitting with like that often. Cacao and combo are not psychedelics. So that's a totally different ballgame in terms of plant medicine and how often you can or should sit. Okay. But specifically, if we're talking these psychedelics that are extremely mind expansive, we need to have an understanding of if you feel like you need to be coming back here next weekend to sit again. That's probably a red flag because what happened in those last two ceremonies, because we always sit in twos. Um, That's how we do it. We always sit in twos. Let's go back to those two ceremonies and figure out why do you think you need to sit again? What is it that wasn't finished from those ceremonies? Is there really something that wasn't finished or is it the fact that you don't want to integrate any of the things that came up? So the easy thing to do is be an ayahuasca bliss world because there is a glow. After you do those medicines, you're kind of like, ah, oh, this is so exciting. So for that Peru retreat, we did three weeks of pre-integration before anyone even got here. Obviously, there was integration every single day at the retreat because there's five plant medicine ceremonies. There's a lot that's coming up for you. Even when there's not plant medicine ceremonies, there's an integration process from your meditations, from breath work, from sound healing. There are things that come up for you that we you know, kind of need to get some more clarity on. Um, So there was integration the entire week. And then now we've let them kind of like, we want them to go back into their own worlds. We want them to really put their feet back where they are from. And then we have this Sunday, we'll have integration. We'll have integration the next Sunday just to follow up with them. Um, Oh, that's awesome. It's extremely important. We want them to know they don't have to come. That's the other thing is like, if you don't want to come to integration, I'm not going to force you. I'm not your fucking mom. I think it would be good for you to come to integration. I think it's in your best interest, but if you want to say, fuck you, I'm not coming. Cool. Don't come. So we have it there for the people that want to take advantage of it. And if you don't want to take advantage of it, then Godspeed. It's all good. You know, just, I hope you figure it out.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. That is so interesting. Cause yeah, my, for sure, my experience um, with, uh, with psychedelics has been, and, and I see so much in like, you know, there's this psychedelic Renaissance happening in the Western world. And I see so often so many people, I mean, even, you know, people that I like acquaintances, I see people who, again, like you said, just keep going back over and over and over. And it's like, it's that, like that, I think it's, was it Terrence McKenna? When you get the message, hang up the phone, like do the integration, (laughs) the integration, because every single one of those experiences is so densely packed with knowledge, you know?
1: And that was something that we had said um, at the end of the retreat, someone, someone that just came on the retreat was like, yeah, I'm good on medicine for like a while after this. And we're like, good. That's the intention is that you came here, you did all this work. Now you get to go and, day by day, pick apart those things. It can take someone three years to integrate two ayahuasca ceremonies. It can really take, like, people also think they're like, oh, well, six months after I'm good. I'm integrated. Absolutely not. There's so many more layers. Like I can even say that from my own experience. Some of the cacao ceremonies that I sat in before I even started serving, sometimes I'll sit now and I'm like, oh, that's what that meant. Because I still and receiving like messages from that. And I also think something that's interesting to bring into the space is that usually what Dylan and I do is there's two nights of ayahuasca. So usually one of us sits with medicine and the other one stays sober. And then we flip flop. Sure. However, on this retreat, neither of us sat both nights because we also wanted to show people that sometimes the medicine tells you you don't need, like Dylan has had that message for a while. He's like, I don't need the medicine. Like, there's no reason for me to be drinking. This isn't my medicine right now. Whereas for me, I was trying so hard to force it at the retreat because I felt like I was missing out. I was like, look at how much fun, like the, an ayahuasca ceremony is just, it's chaos. And I fucking love it. And as I was sitting there on that first night, I was like, oh, like, you know, maybe I really should drink tomorrow night because like, I just, I feel like I'm missing out. And I continued to sit there and we, you know, both of us sat on either side of Maestra and I continued to receive the message. Like you're not drinking because you need it. You're drinking because you want to. And is that something that you want to show people? Mm -hmm. And so that was really hard for me at the retreat to have to be like, guys, I'm not Drinking—it's <laughs> not my time for the medicine, and I feel like a lot of times in a lot of these spaces, I definitely know for me when Dylan and I worked at that retreat center, there was a lot of, well, you guys are going to be in ceremony, just drink the the medicine's available to you, so why wouldn't you just drink and and like use this beautiful medicine? And it's like, well, you're kind of, we're I was abusing it because I didn't need it, but mm-hmm. I felt like, oh yeah, everyone else is drinking, and I should probably just drink to like you know be there. Mm -hmm. So I think that's also an important piece to bring in as well, is that like, we really need to listen to ourselves. And even Dylan and I, who are at the retreats and in the ceremonies facilitating, if the medicine is like, it's not your time, then respect that and showcase that to others. Cause I know there's a guy who owns an ayahuasca retreat center In the Amazon, I'm not sure if it's like the Peruvian Amazon or like the Ecuadorian Amazon, but he hasn't sat with ayahuasca in like 30 years. And people constantly say to him, how can you own an ayahuasca retreat center and not sit with the medicine? He's like, I received what I needed all those years ago. And this has been my work now. I'm a facilitator and I help run the place. Obviously it's my place, but if the medicine wanted me to drink, I'd get the message.
0: Yes. Oh. Yes. It's so true. I just, I love the way you put that. So, um, uh, could you tell me a little bit about your role as like facilitator in those ceremonies? Um, cause I think, I think a lot of times people have ideas about what facilitation is. Um, so yeah, I'll let you. Yeah. I think that's a really in-depth question. Like
1: <laughs> there's there so many layers to what facilitation actually entails but in like a tangible sense for people to understand what I'm actually doing in the ceremony is so the, the hello words, the lineage that we sit with or the tribes that we'll sit with will be the sheepy bows. That's specifically what Dylan and I continue to sit with and are called to continue working with is the sheepy bow tradition. So that ayahuasca ceremony, like I'm specifically speaking ayahuasca right now, I can talk in terms of, cacao San Pedro and combo because it's different it's all different okay but for ayahuasca in the shipibo tradition it's pitch black there's no light the only time there's a light on is when the medicine is getting served and sometimes that's just a candle now if you're in the jungle it's usually easier because like when Dylan and I have sat in the jungle the sky is pretty lit up there so like you have a bit more light whereas here so we're in the sacred valley so we're in like a tiny little room to keep the energy in the space. So the it's, it's not always important to have a small room, but every medicine carrier that we've worked with is like, I want the smallest room possible. Not because we want people on top of each other, but because we want the energy to stay in the space. Okay. So as a facilitator, the room is pitch black. So if someone needs to go to the bathroom, I call it you have to like figure out your ayahuasca vision cuz you have to learn how to like basically see in pitch black and hope that you don't kick over someone's purge bucket, you don't step on someone's glasses, you know, it's it's yeah. kind of like a, you're in a real life video game almost is what it feels like at least for me in facilitation. So if someone needs to go to the bathroom, obviously it's taking them to the bathroom, but like maestra continued to sit at the top of the room and at one point we had someone who she was she was getting kind of loud in ceremony which is okay sometimes you need a moment of loud but if it goes on too long the sheepy boat tradition is pretty much like stay in your lane keep your fucking mouth shut go inside Mm. and so she took me and she was like i need you to go over there and she gave me like a few different things like she gave me some apacho she gave me some florida water and she was like this is exactly what i want you to do where i want you to place it Go do that for me. So it's her ceremony. She's facilitating the energy of the space, but she was like, I'm going to sit here. You fucking go over there and do that, which is like, that's literally what my job is to do that. Someone needs to go to the bathroom. Cool. We always follow people to the bathroom because we don't want anybody to get caught in the land of the mirror
0: if they're. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. You could get caught there for a while. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh (laughs) my Uh, God. The land of the mirror. I love
1: that. yeah. Yeah. So we don't want anyone ever leaving. I have worked in ayahuasca ceremonies where like at that place that Dylan and I worked at where they're runners people will run out of ceremony and run out of the place because it's too overwhelming, it's too much, they don't want to witness it, they want to leave, which is usually why it's important to take cell phones and car keys so that no one, you know, can do that type of thing. Obviously, if it gets super intense, like, at that place that we worked at, there were some really unsafe ceremonies. There were like too much medicine being served, that type of thing. So your facilitator role is to make sure that this person isn't going to harm themselves or others. So sometimes I always say, I think my best training for being in an ayahuasca ceremony was being a teacher's assistant in a special needs classroom.
0: (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, sure. (laughs) There were a lot of
1: things that I will use in the ayahuasca ceremonies because people are under medicine. So those are kind of like extreme circumstances. And if your medicine carrier knows what they're doing, there shouldn't be those extreme scenarios. Not saying that it can't get there if the energy gets too hyped up. But it's the medicine carrier's job to continue to bring the energy back down, to use the blanket of energy to bring it down. So that's kind of like a brief overview for that. If I was in like Dylan San Pedro ceremonies, again, it's his ceremony. So if he needs me to go follow someone, I'm there to go follow them. You know, you're also there for like bucket duty and stuff like that. If someone needs help like that, um, you know, if they're, if they're missing the bucket, you try to move the bucket to catch the purge. Um, So that type of thing, but it is important. You're not supposed to always touch people. So you have to have discernment of when someone needs your help. And when it's, hey, you've got this. I know this is really hard right now, but I'm just going to need you to breathe. And it's kind of heartbreaking when someone's like, no, 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 I just, I need to hold your hand. And you're like, no, I'm not giving you my hand. That's not Mm -hmm. what you need right now. What you need is your own hand. So you can hold your own hand. You can hold the floor. You can hold your water bottle, but you got to work through this on your own. So it's also learning the discernment of when to step into someone's process because, okay, this is getting too much or when to say, you've got this, even though you might think it's too much. I'm right here. Yeah. If it gets too much, I'll know, but you're good. Does that kind of.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great explanation. So If someone is listening right now and they are wanting to take a trip and sit in ceremony um, with ayahuasca, let's say, because I know a lot of people are very interested in that now, Um, what would you recommend as far as like how to find, how to choose like a facilitator, how to choose like a facility?
1: I love this question because I think there's so many things to take into account. So, yeah. first yeah. off, like where I first sat with ayahuasca, it was not the safest place what I learned after because I worked there and then I saw the behind the scenes and then I learned, but I deeply trusted the facilitator that was in the space with us that She was the one that recommended it and she had been witnessing me for a few months in my process of what I was going through in life and I was coming off of my antidepressants. So if you're on antidepressants, you cannot sit with ayahuasca. There are certain contraindications. So that leads me to one thing. The facilitators should know what the contraindications of any medication along with a plant medicine is. If they're like, no, 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 you can just cold turkey your meds like a week before and come sit I personally don't think that's a great facilitator because I have watched people cold turkey medicine and then see them after ceremony. And it's just not a good, without sharing anybody's like personal information, like it's just not a good mix. And I don't see any positives come out of that. So when you choose facilitate, like if the people that came on our retreat, they asked us every question under the sun, as you should. How long has Dylan been working around medicine? How long have you been working around medicine? Who is the medicine carrier that's going to serve ayahuasca? Who's going to serve combo, cacao, San Pedro? What are their backgrounds with serving these medicines? What are the contraindications? What is the space going to look like? What is the place going to look like? Is there an integration process that I should be aware of? Like, If you reach out to someone and you start asking these questions and they don't have the answers for you either right away or they're like, like, for us, when we were working with Maestra, We were like, okay, you have that question. I'll text Maestra and let you know when she gets back to me because it's a question for her. So like, if they can't do that for you, then there's an issue. Like we even had somebody say to us, well, if Maestra's running out of medicine because she's from the jungle, she's in the Sacred Valley right now, and she's running out of medicine, who are you getting your medicine from? And we were able to say, we're getting our medicine from a trusted other medicine source that we are friendly with, that we know from the sacred Valley that he has it. Like we were able to give that information because the medicine being cooked, it is extremely important. Who's making your medicine, where your medicine is being ethically sourced from and how it's like the whole thing. That is important to know. That's also why Dylan gets his own combo at this point, because there's unethical ways to source combo. And so he's like, I may as well just spend some of the money that I make from serving combo and I'll just go into the, it's a long process. So I don't want it to sound like it's easy (laughs) to just pop in, pop out. It's not. And there are people that, you know, going down the combo route, Dylan is much more equipped to have this conversation, but like there are people that get very hurt collecting combo. Some of the frogs get hurt collecting combo. Like you really need to know what the fuck is going on. So if you ask these questions and they're like, I don't really know, not a good place to be.
0: Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And then something that we were talking about before we started recording that I want to touch on you, you said it so beautifully, but we were talking about, um, in these spaces that they're, there tend to be a lot of people who uh, are very much in their ego in the, in the psychedelic plant medicine world. Um, could you speak to that a little bit and just like the importance of being grounded and yeah. So I feel like it's
1: important to say like, I've seen it in my yoga communities. I've seen it in my breath work communities. I've seen it in sound healing communities. I feel like across the board in spirituality. And I'm sure I've been there at certain points in my life too. It's like you do these things and you think you're better than people that haven't done these things before. If you go, and I think what I said before was like, if you go and you sit in ceremony and then you come back to like the quote unquote real world, right? Right. And there are people that haven't done these medicines and you kind of like look down upon them or you're like, you should really do this and you should really do that. And I know I've definitely done that with like friends and family where I'm like, you should really do this thing because it's like you want them to receive this. But it's like they will learn by example. If you continue to heal and they see the transformation in you, they will just naturally gravitate towards their stop trying to force it down someone's fucking throat. But more over than that, um, you say it like so nicely. I just think people in the community are fucking annoying. Like there are some people that they sit with medicine over and over and fucking over and they never say a real goddamn word. Like everything they say is fluff. Everything is, you know, because the conscious light codes that come from my body and and the feminine and the masculine that rose with the, bro, have you ever like gotten gas at the gas station? Like, tell me about that. How was that? You know what I mean? Have you ever done takeout? Like, I just feel like there are a lot of people in the community that they start to learn this verbiage, which I understand the intention behind it. But also, if you can't come out of that world where you talk about all these beautiful visions and the ancestral healing and the divine feminine, and you can't come out of that world then you're not doing anything for the earth as a collective because you're not connecting with the people that aren't doing this work. So just shut the fuck up and save the annoying fluff words for someone who wants to hear it. Cause I don't. <laughs> yes.
0: No, I love that. I love that. Cause yeah, it's like, if you can't come down to like real life, then you're not, yeah, you're not benefiting the earth, the collective for sure. Yes.
1: Oh my gosh. And it's always about the collective. They're always like, and you know, I sit with these, like, they always have this thing where like, bro. Okay. But I don't see you as a person. And for me, it's kind of a clear indicator. When I talk to people, I feel like my community is pretty small. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because I am like, if you don't say anything of substance to me, yeah. Then I don't want to have a conversation with you further. Like, I'm great. I'm glad that you're having these beautiful, expansive experiences, but like, what's your everyday life like? You know, what is it like when you go to the grocery store? What was the last good conversation that you had with a stranger at a coffee shop? You know, like, yeah. there are these things. That, and that's where the integration takes place is like, I've had those experiences where I've experienced all that bliss and that beauty, or those like, you know, Delayering of all of that trauma yeah. but if I can't have a nice conversation with my waiter then without bringing up spirituality then I'm I'm not integrating properly and I also think that speaking into ego and I I've seen it um working in certain places I get it that we all kind of look at people who do this work and we're like, oh my gosh, because I did the same thing. I did that with Dylan. I was like, oh my God, your family's so cool. Like they're into this stuff. They have this, you know, church or whatever. And I was like, you're so lucky. And I will never forget him being like, yeah, well, you don't know what goes on behind closed doors. So don't be like too envious. And I was like, oh, and I didn't know what to take of that until I started working there. And I was like, oh, like it's a power trip. And that's why there's a lot of, you know, um, sexual misconduct or sexual assault that happens behind the scenes. There's a lot of abuse, some physical, a lot of emotional and mental and manipulation in these places because people start to become, you know, they wear the fucking all white and they've got their, their beaded fucking hats and jewelry. And people are like, oh, well, he's the one that's in charge or she's the one that's in charge. So this is the person that I need to give all my energy to. And it's like, the more you continue to put people up on a pedestal, the worse it's going to be for you in the end. And I always say to people, like, I want you to see me and Dylan as human. Like at one point at the retreat, like I, I got nasty because there was someone that we were working with and I was like, how many fucking times do I have to tell you? I'm just confused. And so if you can't look at me and go, oh, wow, that was very human of Dan to get aggravated. It was. Could I have taken a few deep breaths and probably not gotten aggravated? Definitely. But that is not the route that I chose in that moment because I'm human. You right. know what I mean? And I'm yes. the whole retreat. I'm like, I don't want to have to tell you 8,000 times what to do after I've already told you before the retreat. So there's like this, you should see your facilitators and your medicine carriers at... I can also give you one last example where someone said that at the retreat, we were doing one of our integration circles and Maestra wasn't sitting in the medicine, uh, in the integration circle. She was sitting, uh, like down below, but she was like listening to like her phone conversation, like out loud, as we're trying to do integration upstairs. And so Dylan had to be like, Maestra, like we're doing integration. She's like, Oh shit, my bad. And then hung up the phone. And one of the guests was like, it was really cool to see her be like so human in that moment. Like, She just, that was a human thing to do. We were like, dude, how do you, come on, we're in an integration circle after your ayahuasca ceremony, you know? So I feel like if you're facilitators, if you're looking at them and everyone's like goo goo gaga over them and no one says anything of substance about them as a human person, maybe there's a different community out there for you. Cause not all communities are shitty. I just feel like my own experience is that there's a lot of and they talk about that here the locals in the sacred valley of peru constantly talk about false shamans because they see it all the time and so that's a thing that we even have in the us and it's important to recognize like is this person grounded and rooted and do they have a regular human life Or do they live in this facade that maybe they continue to keep up and that you're also feeding at the same time? It's, it's a multi-layered
0: thing. Oh yeah. No, I think that's brilliant. I mean, that's brilliant because that also speaks to like what people should be looking for, for sure. When they're looking for facilitators. Um, so when are you going to do a retreat again? So we released the
1: dates for our Italy retreat, which is in October. The only medicines that will be offered at that retreat will be cacao and combo. And then we will be working with the locals in Italy to bring in some of like their background. Well, also like Dylan and I are also both, um, Italian. And so we'll be bringing in some of that as medicine to use. And then we haven't released the dates for our next Peru retreat, but I would probably say like, we did it last year for new year's Eve. I don't know if we're going to do it for new year's Eve again this year, but I would say probably around that time. And we know it's a difficult time because something that we didn't talk about is like dieta, the like specific diet that you go on. Yes. Shout out to all the people that came with us for this December retreat. Cause like, it's hard to do that around the holidays. Like yeah. you're not just cutting out food, you're cutting out sex, you're cutting out spending time with friends, you're cutting out media at a time when everyone's like, oh, we all have to be together all the time. Um, so there, we have different retreats for different people needing different things. The Italy retreat, there will be no dieta really, um, you know, and it will still be transformational, but more in like a, you'll have hot water way. Whereas in Peru, you know how it goes with like the solar panels. Sometimes it's hot, sometimes it's not. Um right. So I would say that, and also that really includes all of their culture. Like the last retreat that we had, we had like a traditional Andean sound healing. We had the traditional Andean despacho ceremony. We brought them to like a horse ranch where they got to learn how to play the traditional flute to the horses and like wow. connect with them. So like we really, on all the retreats, we try to bring in, it's so important that the money and like, this is probably, I guess like the last thing, like this is a good way to wrap it up. Is like, if you are working with these medicines, when I worked at that church that I met Dylan at, um, there was a lot of, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We send money back to the people that make this stuff. There was no money going anywhere. If you work with these medicines, it's so important to not just give money back to like the culture Right. So like for us, like we sit with like the sheepibos. So it's not just important to give money back to them. But it's also important that if you're going to host a retreat somewhere, like include the people of that area, let the people like bond with that land. Every person that worked with us on this Peru retreat, besides Dylan and myself, was and is Peruvian. So it's like it's just it just it's reciprocity. It allows for like even the people like we took them, we always make a donation um, from our retreats and we took them to where we made the donation. And so basically it's a restaurant in the Sacred Valley where they employ single mothers cuz like they employ single mothers, the elderly and special needs people because they don't really have the opportunity to work and a lot of the single mothers they can't work cuz they always have their kids. And so we brought them there for lunch and we were like, "Guys, so this is where like your donation is going." Like for them to, you know, continue employing the single mothers here, help them build more things so that the kids can play while the mamitas are cooking in the kitchen. And that is healing in itself for them to see like, wow, I can go to another country and I can make an impact in a good way where the locals are like, well, we'd really like to see all you guys again because you're helping continue to build our community. So Yes. a oh. plan
0: for this year? Italy and Peru, so. <laughs> wow, awesome. So, uh, wonderful. So if people want to connect with you, get in touch with you, how do they do that?
1: I feel like if everyone has Instagram, like Instagram is a really easy way. We have like my page, we have the retreat page. I also have the website where you can sign up for emails. Sometimes what we'll do is the email list, they'll get like first dibs at the retreats or okay. offerings or Instagram and Facebook and TikTok get that. So I would say if you have Instagram, that should work. If you don't have Instagram, but you have an email address, most likely you do, you can sign up for um, our emails and I can give you that information if that's just like easier. Yeah,
0: Yeah. and for everyone listening, that's gonna be down in the show notes. So you can just scroll down and get that right away. Dan, thank you so much. This has been such a cool conversation. I cannot thank
1: you enough for like, honoring the words that I said that I like use spirituality, but in a grounded sense. And like you resonated with me, but I appreciate that you just reached out and we continued this conversation and I hope that we get to meet in the physical and, you know, play somewhere on the globe together as well. Thank you so much for allowing people to hear this from maybe a different perspective than they've been hearing in their communities.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Dan.